Vin Diesel serves up some hot triple X born without born, and Clint Eastwood is unforgiven. This week on 2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back on a journey 30, 20, and 10 years ago, back into the past of movies, TV, television. TV and television? Don't believe it. But our pop culture past, uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago from this week. This week is August 5th through the 11th. That's what we'll be covering in 1992, 2002, and 2012. We'll tell you where you were and what you're watching. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, the duck of death. <laughs> I'm J.R. Rawls, and we all have it coming, kid. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about that uh, little movie. Uh, really fun week for us to cover this week. A lot of kids' movies. What, what's that what? about? It's, it's like all spies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> we have so many spy movies. Yeah. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks, please, and we'll keep doing the show and give you a bunch of extra stuff. I actually recorded a brand new episode of Sick of Star Wars this week, Empire Strikes Back. The first person in person in the studio in like a year. Cannot believe, I have not recorded in person with someone in a very long time, and it felt very, very good. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. That's how you can support us. The whole LazerTime Network, Video Game Apocalypse, LazerTime, new episode this week. Thank you guys so much for your support. Anyway, moving to 302010. August 5th to the 11th. Let's begin as we always do in 1992. August 5th, because this is. I thought we covered this, but then like we covered what oh, happened, we- but not the aftermath. Four officers in Los An- of the Los Angeles Police Department who were acquitted of charges of beating Rodney King are indicted on civil rights charges. Oh, okay, so that's not the most painful thing. No, nope. and this is the one they actually get him on. Yeah. And two of them go to jail. Who for how long? Uh, Couldn't been that long. No, it was, I think they were sentenced to like three years and they did less. Mm. But at least they did some. And I'm sure being former LAPD officers who were... Yeah. So famous for such horrible things. Um, I'm sure their time was very pleasant, and it was just club fed. It's not a problem. <laughs> uh, can't be a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of fun for me uh, growing up in Florida and slowly getting pro teams who, for a long time, weren't worth a shit. And then this week, the Orlando Magic signs the number one NBA draft pick, famous Irishman Shaquille O'Neal. And, <laughs> and uh, that was yeah. huge for us. We We were without pro sports stars of any kind in my state my state the fourth biggest state in the union so uh shack was 20 years old when he was the number one draft pick and Mm -hmm. before he was drafted he had a two million dollar deal with red book and an additional two million dollars uh sorry (laughs) no with red book the woman's magazine the woman's magazine yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) sorry typo on my notes Mm -hmm. uh He had a $2 million with Reebok and additional $2 million in trading cards. So, you know, he went from being a college student to having $4 million before he was even signed. And he flew his entire family to the draft event. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, because remember, he narrowly missed out on the dream team for the Olympics. Wait, did he? For 92? He did. Mm. For 92? It yep. was it was between him and uh, Chris Leitner, and they went with Chris Leitner. They wanted a, a college player, 
And this is, you know, Sha- Shaq's, uh, his silver medal is, yeah. fuck yeah, I'm the N- number one draft pick and I got $4 million. And he actually refers to that and the crowd is like booing the fact. And he just goes, no, 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 that other guy is fine. Uh, he, he says something like, I wish I could have been on the dream team. But um, have I've, class, I've yeah, always liked Shaq. I've always had, as a kid, I had his albums. I bought, I, we were talking about when did you drink Pepsi and like when Shaq brought out the Big Slim. The one liter of Pepsi. That, that's the only time in my life I drank Pepsi on the reg. And it was hmm. because, yeah, it was great to live in a, the radius of Shaquille O'Neal fandom. And he's been kind of one of the coolest athletic figures of my time just because how little trouble he's been in. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a nice guy yeah. all around. Uh, but everywhere. you always showing up. Oh, there he is in wrestling. There he is in jackass. Holy shit. He's just. Uh, did you ever listen to his his tonight show thing where he has holds the world record for largest walmart purchase of all time no what was it <laughs> was it a whole walmart well, he, he got moved and he went to he had a huge new place and it wasn't furnished or anything so he took him and his whole crew to walmart and just bought like well i should probably have eight tvs in my house so let's get eight of your most expensive wow. tvs i need all this furniture so let's get all this furniture and i need all the kitchen stuff and let's get a bunch of lobsters and other food and all this giant just a giant purchase so he spent like fifty thousand wow. dollars in one walmart purchase i didn't think that was po- i didn't think they had fifty thousand dollars worth of stock yeah well you know how it is when you have a new place or it's like well i gotta buy trash bags so i need a trash can for my trash bags Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah, i I gotta get some paper towels i gotta buy um well this entire rack of sheets yeah i need about (laughs) 17 sets of sheets uh. yeah but i've been here four years i'm still still moving in still need to get them shelves some sheets all that stuff and then and then in uh Possibly worse pop pop culture news. Uh, Guns N' Roses causes a substantial riot in Montreal uh, with half a million dollars in damage. I couldn't tell if that was Canadian and uh, about a dozen people injured, but not murdered like the last riot that they caused. Nobody died. Nobody Nobody died. died. But digging (laughs) into this one. Guns N' Roses. Good job. Digging into this one. It's like, you know, we had the story of like Axl Rose jumping into the crowd after that guy with a camera. Uh, that, That was their, you know, previous big incident. And People are like, well, I mean, it's their fault, but it's also security. No, this was all Guns N' Roses' fault. Yeah, well, it, it's, it. it's they had an opportunity to be the heroes, to bail out yeah. the entire show, because during Metallica's set, James Hetfield walked into some pyrotechnics, burned his arm, and like, miraculously, still bone. tours, but cannot he, play the guitar. Uh, yeah, but, he yeah. burned his arm to the bone. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is, oh, I was so mad because this was the tour I tried to get tickets to. But yeah, Metallica and Guns N' Roses on tour together. And... If they have to cut, Metallica has to cut their set short because of a massive, horrible injury. You'd think it's the job of Guns N' Roses to come out right away and be like, okay, we'll cover for them. They do not. They wait three hours before they come on stage. Three hours of the crowd just sitting around. But, okay. In their defense, did they have the type of show where it was like, no, if we're going to do our show, we need to set up X I bet, and Y. I and bet Z. you they say they did, but like, okay. I haven't been to a ton of arena concerts. It doesn't take three hours to set up. It just okay. doesn't. And and even if it did, like, calm the crowd down. Every, all the all the yeah. club show, shows I remember going to see, like, ah, the basses from the pre. I remember uh, what was it? Uh, I forget. It was like Rancid or something, and like their opener, their bassist broke his wrist so they just all played 
for their with their openers <laughs> like like you yeah. do like you would do to support yeah. your fucking tour and not piss off your fans and yeah how about while they're setting up pyrotechnics or fancy things you guys come out yeah. and just noodle jam the shit jam talk to the crowd fuck around play some of your favorite rolling stone songs who, who cares reveal to the world yeah, how racist yeah. you are i i just don't know what type of show guns and roses did because i'm honestly not that familiar i mean there are those artists out there who like come out and just do their cd it's yeah. like okay this is me singing exactly as you hear it on the cd and there's others who put on a big big ass show and their whole point is, no, this isn't like just listening to my music. Yeah, but there's like a road crew there. That's their job is yeah. to do this. And like, if you've ever been on like one of those festival tours, like there is no setup time. Like people just go on and off stage. Okay. It, it's yeah, and you can see the roadies sort of around the edges, like moving different guitars because they're tuned to different things. And yeah, so it takes them three hours to come out. They play nine whole songs, and then Axel says, like, I've been having vo vocal cord issues on this, so we're done, and they leave. And that's it. And the lights just come on and go home, everybody. And that's 56,000 fans there. And two to 3,000 of them are not happy. Yeah. And they just start ripping the shit out of the Olympic Stadium and setting fire to merch booths. Through a, <laughs> through a girl, through a plate glass display? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was violent. It was chaotic. And I think uh, to this day, uh, Guns N' Roses are banned from playing there in Montreal. Yep. To Which, this day. I mean. I mean, not that they'd have the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to okay, do Chinese asking, democracy in its entirety. Asking the very important questions. Does this inspire the Spinal Tap riot yes. on The Simpsons? Yes, but I think that's more Guns N' Roses mm -hmm. behavior. Uh, mm -hmm. But yes, of course, that, that is what inspired. And I, I, yeah, at the time, I remember seeing that episode, not knowing Spinal Tap wasn't a real band. I just, <laughs> all the metalheads were wearing the shirt anyway. God damn. Uh, Guns and Roses. Fucking pricks. Pricks throughout the, their entire existence. Pretty and, much. Well, and, drugs. Drugs. Drugs are bad. Yeah, and that was that was another thing. Like, uh, were, was Guns and Roses, they, were they in a hurry to get to the next venue? They were throwing a, like, $50,000 party in the, <laughs> in the backstage area. That's what they were doing. They could have quelled the crowd at any point for any reason. Ah, I can't sing. Duff mm -hmm. McKagan's going to take over folk. Like, you could have done anything, and the crowd would have. Yeah. They're Canadians. <laughs> would have understood. Yeah, they um, would have been nice about it. Moving on to the movies of 1992, August 5th to the 11th. We have, I don't know, but look at this cast. Uh, Anthony H Held, uh, Al Alan Alda, Deborah Unger, John Leguizamo, Jill Claiborne, Anthony Apalia, uh Jamie Sheridan, Annabella Sciorra, and Whispers in the Dark. This is not that Bjork movie, right? No. It's no. <laughs> in the dark. This is an erotic thriller. Another Ooh. one. Yeah, a forgotten one that bombed it. Nobody liked, but it's about a therapist, and one of her patients is telling her all kinds of dangerous, sexy things she's done, and then she turns up murdered. Yeah, this is the type of movie where the line is said, "My shrink has been sleeping with my man," <laughs> is said in complete dead earnestness a sadomasochist is telling their psychiatrist the things that turn them on and then is the psychiatrist copying that it's a it's a mystery yeah um, it's theory. not uh yeah not michael Caine the dress yeah yeah we're getting to that but <laughs> yeah we we also besides a bunch of spy movies you also have uh, a couple whodunits and in both of them it's like well that actor's too big for that part mm. he did it Right. 
I never forget that rule. I forget where Diana brought that up, but it's like yep. made many a movie, ruined many a movie mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> I yep. was just yeah, what's it called? Ebert's uh, law of I forget. But <laughs> Ebert's law. That's but right. I, I, just, I know I just it's, have it's it. so it's so. Oh, he had a, he had a ton of laws, but uh, oh, economy of characters. Economy the of, law character. of the economy oh, of characters. that makes it sense. was so obvious in say because uh, Diana pointed this out, this out to me years ago on the show, and I think. Hmm. I don't remember if this is where I saw it proven, but when you watch Captain America Winter Soldier and like, hey, Robert Redford hasn't been here for like an hour. Oh, man, he's going to there's going to be a twist, isn't there? Uh, yep. But uh, why don't I segue into this since I just made a terrible segue and skip the kids movie for a second into Raising Kane, the story of a baby Michael Kane. <laughs> He's a little baby, little baby. My- but it's Brian De Palma's follow-up to for Just to Kill, not immediate follow-up, but it's got yeah. uh, John Lithgow and Lolita Davidovich, which is one of the most fun names to say if you can. Yeah, Davidovich. Oh uh, yeah, this is more. Do you think more psychology? Do you, do you think this is the role that got John Lithgow the role in season four of Dexter? <laughs> Oh, I mean, it is stretching that same muscle. He has proven that he could be creepy before yeah. this. Well, uh, I've, I've seen him menacing but... in, like, Cliffhanger, but, like, yeah, not not really creepy like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, like, Blowout, like, okay. another De Palma movie. He's got a small part in it where he is super creepy. Mm. But, yeah, it's, it is it is kind of similar to, like, the whole Dexter thing in that, yeah, he's... Uh, Multiple personalities. Oh, the personalities are making him geek. I'm sure it's dealt and with also, very like, sensitively. Kidnap kid, like he's killing people to kidnap the kids for his dad, who is also a therapist, but he's dead. Or is he? You know, I, I bet there have been the number of people with real diagnosed instances of multiple personality in the real world that there are a hundred times more instances in the movie. Than there are in the real world. Mm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's yeah, like an incredibly so. rare diagnosis. Like some psychiatrists don't even think it exists. Yeah, but it makes a hell of a movie. Yeah, it makes it fun. Well, you know, well, which one of them's doing the killing? How do you stop them? Which one's the real guy? Maybe he's been the killer the whole time. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. I admit I didn't get around to it. Its reputation is that it's so over the top and trashy that it can be kind of fun mm. in in the way a lot of De Palma's, you know, like Hitchcock type dress to kill things are sometimes. And that it's like they can be. Yeah. So, so crazy that they're like actually kind of fun, even though the movie is not good, but it's still fun. Mm. But I, uh, me and De Palma, we don't get along. Speaking of multiple personalities, I see myself as three people, mm-hmm. three ninjas. Yes, baby. No, no, they're not kicking back. They're kicking out. This is the birth of the Three Ninjas franchise with, of course, Michael Trainer, Max Elliott Slade, Chad Power, and Victor Wong. How many Three Ninjas are there? Four. Kick, <laughs> that kick, doesn't make sense. Kick back, knuckle up, <laughs> and uh, high ninjas. noon at Magic Mountain, or one, the one with Hulk Hogan. But it's it's kind of funny if you think. I, I remember seeing this movie. And it's the last time I listened to like blurbs on TV spots. It's like better than Home Alone because it very much is. Home Alone without the heart. This is 100% the pitch meeting. Yeah. Hey, guys, you know how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are big? Yeah. Hey, you know how Home Alone was big? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if we combine them? Yep. Three kids, stop criminals. Here's $3 million. Have your uh, dorkable little kids use their ninja skills. But they also got to do traps because Home Alone did traps. And and Uh. it's it's ironic because Disney picked it up for distribution 
and now they own Home Alone. So they, they don't need three ninjas for nothing. But uh, a bunch of people my age saw it. It got four sequels, and I think I read this is, budget-wise, the most profitable film this year. It cost nothing and did yeah. pretty decently. It, it Yeah, Disney didn't yeah. pay for it. They just distributed it. So it's a very, very, it was a very tiny movie with some family cachet. And it, it yeah. you probably have seen one of the, the Three Ninjas movie. Do not confuse it with Surf Ninjas, a far superior film. Uh, it's yeah. very, very good. I, I, my only, I'm kind of confused. So there are kids that go study with their grandfather mm-hmm. and they study ninjutsu. But it sounds like they only study in the summer. Yeah. You can become a ninja master and defeat adults as a eight-year-old if you have a summer yeah. camp experience. The back as of the comics said only eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and that also makes you good at all sports, oh, all of them. True. Because uh, the '90s bullies in this film, who are utter '90 bullies, they just walk up and say, "I have no internal life other than bullying you because uh-huh. reasons," and they defeat them using ninja basketball skills. <laughs> Also, my favorite uh, activity on Wild and Crazy Kids. <laughs> and yeah, Three Ninjas. You might have seen it. It's very nineties. Yeah, film. not good. <laughs> Did not even attempt to show it, my it, kids it's, this film. It's odd because, like, I remember seeing it in my sister and I, like, watching Home Alone every day. This did not enter the rotation at all. No, because it's not good. Home Alone has a real story. Kevin Mm -hmm. McAllister goes through an emotional change that comes about through the experiences he goes through. That's a movie. That's I'm guarantee what the producers like. That's the kind of shit we got to get rid of. Get get these kids right to the action. Yep. Shouldn't take an hour and a half for the wet bandits to show. Moving on to the actual number one movie uh, of the week this week, and it's a it's a doozy. Anna Thompson, it's a fun summertime movie. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure none of us have anything to say about this. In fact, we should just skip it. No, right? yeah, no, I got I got no opinions whatsoever oh. about revisionist westerns. That's definitely not my jam. Uh, Anna Thompson, Francis Francis Fisher, Saul Rubinick, Jamie's Wolvet. Yeah, Gene Wolvet, uh, Richard Harris, Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman, and Clint Eastwood. It's number to the box office. It's Unforgiven. How about being my partner? You're gonna kill a couple of no good cowboys for what? For cutting up a lady. It was a time when lawmen were killers, outlaws were heroes. So you still have that Spencer rifle, huh? And a bad reputation. I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. Was as good as gold. Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, Richard Harris, Unforgiven, rated R, starts Friday, August 7th. Unforgiven, and I promised Diana I had one fucking thing to say about this, and I'm backing (laughs) off and giving you the entire segment, just because I, I, you know, putting this on, I was like, what the hell? Wasn't this Clint Eastwood's, like, retirement from this archetype he helped create? Mm -hmm. And then I looked Mm -hmm. at his biography, I'm like, oh, he never really did a Western again, like, He's played yeah, a cowpoke. Macho. He, he, macho is. I know. I, I think that takes place in the fifties or something like that. It's not a cowboy movie. It's a it's rodeo not a movie. Traditional yeah, western. Not a, okay. Not yeah. not this type of character. And I was sort of shocked to think that wow, Clint Eastwood really did step away from this kind of film and role, and has a hell of a swan song. And I only just thought it was odd for kids under thirty watching Back to the Future Three, wondering why Marty McFly's adopted name is funny. <laughs> Because they haven't seen a Clint Eastwood Western in 30 years. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Not even in a voice uh, did he do it. And he could have easily been the grizzled old cameo in every Western of the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. would have loved for him to give the sage words of advice to the new young hero. But no, he's playing a grizzled old man 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was like, <laughs> I am done with this genre and stayed away. That is rare. It's, it's strange. I, I can't think of another actor. But this whole film is a really fascinating conversation about the Western mm-hmm. inside this Western. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's t- the story. I was trying to figure out how do you explain what the story is because it sounds a little complicated. I mean, pretty much Clint Eastwood plays a guy who used to be uh, a desperado mm-hmm. uh, and bandit killer. Yeah, bandit killer type guy. His uh, his much younger wife cured him of all that, and he's retired. And then uh, this kid comes along and says, like, hey, do you want to go kill but for a good reason? Because there's this guy and he he cut up a, a whore and he cut her eyes out and cut her nose off. And, oh, it's so horrible. So you're going to get paid and you're going to give it to someone who had it coming. And he's like, fuck, I need money because my kids are miserable. And my and wife I is dead. Get farming. And, and my, my wife is dead. Mm-hmm. And my pigs are dying of some disease and we don't have germ theory yet. So yeah, he's like, oh, fuck. Okay, fine. This this shouldn't be too hard. I'm going to get my buddy Morgan Freeman. You know, now we got backup. Okay, let's go do this. And that gets us to several of the themes of the movie. One of them being all myths are lies. Yeah. Because that that cut up whore, she was not tortured horribly. They didn't take out her eyes or cut her ears off. It's like, yeah, she got wounded. I did not think this would be what Diana was defending. Um, No, and let me just say, I I do have thoughts on this because- it's part of the thing. We see a scene where the guys are trying to make amends to her personally. They had to mm-hmm. make amends to her brothel owner because yeah. he paid for her to come out. And then one of them offers her personally a horse as an apology. She looks to me like she wants to accept that offer, but yeah. all the other prostitutes yell at him and throw stuff at him. Man, yeah. so Elon well, Musk this- didn't ad- adjust for inflation at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like this this whole movie is supposed to be predicated on getting justice for her. No one ever asks her what she wants to have done. Nope. Mm-hmm. No one and ever asks her what would bring her justice. What does she want restitution? Do you want him hanged? What what does she want? It, no one asks. Yeah. And she's clearly the most sympathetic when she finds out what happened. She's she's not like, yes, vengeance is mine. She's like, oh, even oh. that one? Oh, they- yeah, because that's part of the legend building. First of all, they, they blow up the story of how badly injured she is. They also blame two guys for it. And it's one guy who did it and his friend who kind of tried to stop him and kind of not. Yeah. But he's just sort of guilty by association. Like, I, I don't think he deserves death for what happened. Not but Morgan Freeman. They're going to kill him. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's all about legends. And that's not the only instance of this because nope. we have a guy who writes Penny Dreadfuls, these old-time stories about the West, which were being written as the Wild West was going on. Traditionally, the Wild West takes place from 1865, right after the Civil War, to 1890 when the frontier was closed. Lots of Westerners take place outside of that, but that is the traditional period for the vast majority of Westerns. And as that was happening, 
people were writing about the myth as the myth was being created yep. in real time making picture books um, and shit yeah yep. and uh this is one of those guys who doesn't have a lot of real life experience with the wild west and is taking what he was told by someone as gospel and then he the writer learns that it was, it was all lies and then he hooks up one, with someone else and you can see him in his head building a myth about what he is living through as mm -hmm. he is experiencing another person kill the second person uh, Gene Hackman specifically, who yeah. he starts developing Gene Hackman's myth, and then Gene Hackman dies by Clint Eastwood hands, and you can see it in his head. He's going, "Okay, this is my new myth." Yeah, everybody is building myths. the The kid has built up a myth about Clint. Uh, every people have built up myths about Gene Hackman, about Clint, about English Bob coming in. Richard Harris. It's, <laughs> a, it's a small. Uh -oh. It's such a small part, but it is so freaking good of this yeah. like <laughs> gentleman gunfighter who's coming with his biographer, and he is going to do right by these ladies, and it's all lies. Love a tiny little detail about uh, English Bob. He mm -hmm. is posh until shit gets real and then he becomes cockney. Yep. That is such a lovely <laughs> little dash. I never noticed that until this rewatch. I, I think this is one of my favorite Gene Hackman roles I've ever seen. Like, oh, we got to yeah. talk about Gene Hackman. Cause I was, I was rewatching this cause I've seen this a ton of times. This is one of my favorite movies, frankly. And thinking like, okay, if I came into this cold, how would I feel about it? And I realized it is kind of slow the first time around you do kind of wonder like when are they getting to the fireworks factory it's tarantinoing yeah and then but the thing that props it up in the middle is the gene hackman show yeah. a big chunk of the middle is the gene hackman mm -hmm. show and well, this is he is at his fucking finest because he is a former the, i mean the character is a also a former desperado and gunslinger who has become the sheriff and he is trying to institute order and civilization at all fucking costs and usually like some like he's on the right track he's just goes about it wrong you know his whole thing is like he has no, no idea guns in town he has no idea he's become the boring villain of the modern day western story right yeah. but i he have, thinks he's the hero I, but he's I, a fascist i i have some sympathy for him given the environment he's operating in he yeah. is in a world where the vast majority of men are civil war veterans who have had real life experience with violence they're on the frontier, which is even more violence. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of casual violence makes the scuzziest part of modern day Chicago look like Mayberry. Well, it, it, yeah. it was... I mean, that's and that's like the myth of the Western. The, the whole idea of the Western is going to, quote unquote, empty land and, quote unquote, civilizing it. Mm -hmm. It's taking it back from nature and building something for humans. And that's what he thinks he's doing. He, th he is instituting law and order and keeping everybody safe and keeping everyone from shooting each other up. And he says they, they have one law and it's no guns in town. And you're like, well, that seems reasonable because people get drunk and they have shootouts and that's old West shit. And you don't want that. And if you break that law, he just kicks the living shit out of you. <laughs> he does it over and over and over. And it's like, does that help your point exactly? I don't. No. Does that help you build your precious little house, which is all you seem to care about? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the details in Gene Hackman's character. I, it was something is a metaphor. I know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but... yeah. And then you see how far he will go. Like, he catches Morgan Freeman at one point. And we're spoiling a lot of the movie. But he catches Morgan Freeman at one point, who he knows is part of this, you know, group of assassins. And 
he gives him, he whips him. He whips mm-hmm. him while, I mean, he's torturing him while interrogating him. And there is a moment, Morgan Freeman's talked about a lot of saying like, I was legitimately afraid of Gene Hackman for a moment there mm. because he kind of comes up behind him and Gene Hackman sort of rests his chin on Morgan Freeman's shoulder and starts telling him like, if you don't talk, I'm going to hurt you bad. Not nice like before. And you look at Morgan Freeman, he is actually afraid in that moment. Wow. <laughs> Not the character, the actor. Yeah. He's so uh, good. And let's let's talk about the directing a minute. Clint Eastwood mm. directed in this. He mm. had acted in 40 movies and directed 16 movies before Unforgiven, but he had yet to win a single Oscar for anything. Yep. Mm. And, yeah, and this and this script had been kicking around since like the late seventies. Yeah, I could, it had been around a, a bit while. of the seventies, like uh, tearing down institutions to it. Yeah, it's by uh, David Webb Peoples, who oh also wrote a couple movies you've heard of, like Twelve Monkeys and Blade Runner. What? Yeah, yeah, not a prolific guy, but his his batting average is pretty ridiculous. We're talking about that on upcoming eighties and death patreoncom time. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and Morgan Freeman are the three main characters in this film, right? Yeah. The fourth character is every other Western ever made. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is totally in reference to all those movies that people grew up with. And my problem was I watched this in 1992 mm-hmm. as a uh, 14-year-old who had had practically no experience with any Western ever. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. Back to the Future 3 was pretty much my template for all goes west yeah Mm -hmm. um uh, so when i watched this as a young teenager i i was bored i did Mm -hmm. not i did not care for this but and i didn't watch it since it's not because i didn't i i hated it or anything but it was just like i remember that as boring and it's always been in the back of my mind i should revisit one of these days but as a 40 something guy i'm like this is genius. It's beautiful. Every aspect of this is amazing. And I get yeah. why my teenage self did not like this, but my adult self thinks it's brilliant. Every bit of it. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, I was a 15-year-old coming into it, being well-versed in the works of Sergio Leone, like all <laughs> 15-year-old girls are. So cool. Right. And, and that definitely helps. You, I feel like if you've never seen another Clint Eastwood Western you really should watch one before you watch this so you can understand what he's doing here. Like the, the true impact of seeing the man with no name, yeah, not be able yeah. to get on a horse because he's so <laughs> bad at everything. And then finding out like all that cool shit I did when I was a super badass, I was super drunk and I don't remember doing it at all. And I really regret it. And am I haunted? I am haunted by all of the dead people <laughs> that all these people I killed for no reason, just because I guess it was cool at the time. Uh, yeah. Oh, and there's another nice bit where he's sober the entire movie and he keeps refusing alcohol until it's killing time at the very end. Yeah. They and finally, then, finally that, when I saw this in the theater, it was so funny though. Cause it was, I remember clearly it was a matinee and it was mostly an older crowd. And the moment where he takes the bottle and uncorks it and it's not even the central thing. Like someone else is talking while he does it, but mm-hmm. the whole audience groaned and yeah. you could clearly hear one older guy go, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think about that every time. I'm just, no, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's funny. You mentioned back to the future three, cause that's probably the most recent Western besides the young guns movies we've mm-hmm. talked about, but that's actually a pretty good prototypical Western of there's a good sheriff and a bad outlaw who brings chaos 
and it's the sheriff's job to protect everyone. And then he stops the bad guy and that's it. And this is like, there's a good sheriff who's bad and there's a bad outlaw who's good. And it turns out neither one of them's great. Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> They're this both is very complicated and flawed. Yep. This is all about none of these people are really heroes, no. you know, no. And that's that's no. that's the beauty. I don't know. I'm trying to I want to recommend this to people. But like we're talking about, uh, if you don't have a context of Clint Eastwood sort of shutting the book on the a genre he helped define. And uh, it is it's it's a really beautiful statement in that area. So watch. Yeah. Uh, I recommend uh, uh, Good, the Bad and the Ugly and Outlaw Josie Wales. Yeah, Just, so I, I, yeah. I would love it. If 10 or 15 years from now, Robert Downey Jr. or Chris yes. Evans revisited the superhero genre at playing a that's, grizzled old man who is like, that was so dumb. And that's why I brought up just, Dark Knight Returns, the comic. Yeah, it's 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 a little oh, like yeah. that. It's 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 a little like that. But it is like it is it is a 30 year later statement on an entire genre that sort of I don't know, not I don't want to say undoes it, but stops glamorizing it. And yeah. and it's just one of one of my favorite things you can do with a story or in this case, like a, a, a genre, what happens 30 years after the hero wins. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I love assassination of Jesse James, blah, blah, blah. But that's like all takes place after his glory days. And it fucking sucks. It just sucks <laughs> all the time. It old West just sucks. <laughs> sucks. Yep. Yeah. You're here. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the point. The old West sucks. The old West sucks. <laughs> it's violent and mean and everybody's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> But and then I say that and we're talking about all these like it's themes and all that. It's it's still just interesting to watch. Yeah. It's still there's parts that just give me fucking goosebumps of like, oh, oh, no, he's got to go. You know, it is, it's slow ish, especially especially the first time. Like I said, like you're you're waiting for the big guy. Like you want there to be more fights. But yeah, the still you're like, oh, there's a constant love. Just like, oh no, what's he gonna do? The last one is still awesome because it's like I have seen, I hadn't seen this in long enough to where I did not remember the exact ending, or the the, the climactic part of the film, and it mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Not to make more Tarantino, it's the it's the the Manson family shot in Rick Dalton's <laughs> house, whom by the way I believe his face is inspired by the outlaw Josie Wells poster, the poster outside Rick Dalton's house, the super mm-hmm. ugly one where he's making a awkward grimace sorry love once upon time in hollywood yeah outlaw josie wales or any of the man with no name movies i think if you haven't seen because yeah i figure i mean if you're you know 25 right now clint's always been old yes so you don't remember what he was like young and exciting and doing something different in westerns you know they were grittier and meaner not just like everyone's shiny and clean and the good guy is always the best guy in town and it is, doesn't it even is spit on the sidewalk. One of those things I feel like pop culture fans should remind themselves in the uh, wake of Michelle Nichols' death. Like it's mm. sort of astonishing Clint Eastwood is still alive. And we just kind of yeah. take that for granted because, you know, some yeah. people don't like current aspects of him. But it is it's a miracle. An, an actor as famous as him, 10 years older than him, would have been dead at 62. And he's <laughs> he's still kicking around making movies at 90. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, we're really the, lucky yeah, and we always him. think him because he's such a big star. We don't tend to just look at him just as a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, and, if if you're yeah. brushing your teeth at 92, you're winning. Yeah. So yep. he's out there making big, making a movie's a big deal. It's a complex process. So yep. well, good not, on not him. the way Clint does it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one take, uh, fake babies. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, no, his his whole thing is like, yeah, you're actors. I just I trust you to do your job. I'm not going to tell you your motivation. That's that's your department. 
okay, let's film now. Yeah, one or two takes, tops, moving on. And so they always come works. in under time and under budget. But they're not bad. <laughs> I, no, I, I think he's, he's still, a good director in and he, of himself. He makes fantastic films. I saw tons of people making fun of Richard Jewell and The Mule. And I thought, am I just old now? I thought those were great. I thought those were fantastic films. <laughs> Some odd messaging in there for politics I don't necessarily agree with, but like, yeah. it's they're still amazing that this dude has anything to say at this point that's worth watching. Uh, I know my grandparents didn't. They were getting naked at Christmas dinner. Uh, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> were they protesting something? No. Maybe? Yeah, were protest- they with PETA? Protesting uh. a lack of Alzheimer's. Oh, no. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Unforgiven is a classic for a fucking reason. It's on HBO right it's now. Awesome. It's awesome. Do yourself great. a favor. It's entertaining. And also, like, yes, there's so much to talk about afterwards. There's so much going on. The characters are so complicated. Yeah, and I, I'm not... I love it. I'm not God, necessarily... It. The... It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful Alberta, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Looks gorgeous. Looks and, great. And I, I think it's just my age, but this is when my perception of Clint Eastwood changed to... Dir- actor director instead of actor but i he had directed a ton of shit i just wasn't out there watching play misty for me Uh, i i can't think of a better film that comments on the old west than this film yeah the old west of mythos than Mm. this film because it doesn't do it in an obnoxious way but it's it's really worth pointing out if you go 1865 to 1890 that's a 25 year period we've been like five to six times that amount since the old west ended and we're still revisiting that tiny short period things were simpler jr yep and this is one of the best examinations of that depiction i've ever seen and and that's interesting that that's the period 1865 to 1890 because this movie takes place in 1891 oh there you go because they talk about the assassination of uh, the president by Mr. Guito. <laughs> oh, poor Chester Arthur. No one cares about you. He turned out to be very important in Die Hard 3. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the queen again on Independence Day? All right, we get God, done with Unforgiven. Unforgiven is fantastic. I can't recommend enough people. Um, it does, I think, require a little bit of minor movie knowledge of the Western genre. So pick, It helps. Pick two. It makes it yeah. better. Mm-hmm. It makes it better. Pick two. Can't be High Noon, because High Noon was already kind of a kind of a little statement on that already. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's move into television of 1992, August 5th through the 11th. The Dream Team wins gold in Bar- the Barcelona Olympics. Averages 117 points per game, 40 more than the other team. <laughs> what the fuck? So unfair. But who comes in second? Of course, Croatia. Croatia is second. So Croatia had Tony Kukoc, who was literally just signed by the Bulls and he is a Hall of Famer. Mm. But they had only been a country for a year and part of their country was at war with the other part of their country. So Croatia is not a big place. And it's part of the former Yugoslavia, which, like I said, at war, horrible. Big parts of it are at war with each other. So good for fucking them. And then who takes the bronze? Uh, My favorite team, Lithuania who were sponsored by the Grateful Dead. <laughs> how did that partnership come about? They read a story about how Lithuania didn't have any money for their basketball team and said, oh, we, we give us the money. What are we doing with it? We don't care. Yeah, we have some off-the-books so, acid money. Yeah, so they they had tie-dye uniforms, and I think they had a wow. handprint of uh, Jerry Garcia's hand because Jerry, Jerry was missing uh, part of his middle finger. So it's a, it's a distinctive handprint. Yeah, and they came in third, which they are a very, very tiny country also, who is also brand new. 
less like they've been around maybe a year and a half. Also, when we talked about the dream team starting at the Olympics and we said, oh, my God, imagine if they lost. A lot of people came to correct us. 2004, mm. the dream team got bronze. I don't remember. Well, but... we're going to talk about it when we get to 2004. All right. It was, Tune in two think, years It's now. not like the two had a bunch of losers on it. Okay. They had LeBron. They had Stoudemire. They had a lot of fucking good players and they got bronze. They got beat. They got beat by Puerto Rico. Wow. I will mention that Puerto Rico is also part of America. Yeah. What the hell? And then Freshman Dorm, a television show debuts for some reason on CBS in the middle of the summer. You know it can't be good. So, yeah, this was based upon a young adult fiction series. That I've never heard of and can't find any information about. Have you ever uh, heard of this book series? What kind of? I've never heard no. of this book series, but this is a gigantic book series. No way. No. Yes. Guess how many books in this series? Um, it can't be more than three. Okay, we got three. Oh, if it's a series, I mean, we're back in the Sweet Valley High, Sweet Valley Teens days, so there's probably like 20 of them. Okay. Yeah, there are 32. Oh, 32 what books in this s- series uh, re- started with <laughs> Freshman <laughs> Dorm, Freshman Lies, Freshman Guys, Freshman Nights, Freshman Dreams, Freshman Games, Freshman Sluts, Freshman Secrets, fresh- wow. Freshman Screams, <laughs> Schemes, Freshman Changes, Freshman Fling, Freshman Rivals. Relax, you had me at Freshman Sluts. Freshman Heartbreak, Freshman Feud, Freshman Follies, Freshman Wedding, Freshman Promises, Freshman Affair. Don't freshman do all 32. Truth, freshman Scandal, <laughs> Freshman Roommate, Freshman Obsession, Freshman Heat, Freshman Taboo, Freshman oh. Passion, Freshman Celebrity, Freshman Breakup, Freshman Temptation, Freshman Fury, Freshman Suspect. Is that all oh. of them? So That's they all, all got murdered at the end. <laughs> I can't believe just Bubba gumped every name of the stupid freshman book series. Oh but... my God. I am a little bit curious to see this show now, which went all of five episodes because it stars Robin Lively, Casper Van Dien, Rico! And, Matthew, and Matthew Fox. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be a baby. Jackson and, lost. Yeah. And if he hadn't lost this, then he probably wouldn't have gotten Party of Five and stars a girl who is the rich girl a girl who is the theater girl and a lower class girl who is ashamed of her background wonderful it goes four episodes four or five episodes five five glorious episodes and and the 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 show that i was the most curious about because for some reason having never really listened to howard stern i read both of his books and (laughs) because they were just available in a smaller time and i'd never seen his television show not the one that were on e where they just filmed the radio show but there was a television show syndicated in local markets throughout the entire country and it is canceled the wwor show is canceled this week despite often doubling snl's ratings in those markets that's ridiculous i mean it seems brilliant to me to give him a, a show on saturday night you know like 11 p.m and who gives a shit because mm-hmm. Whatever, either SNL is going to work or it's not, and maybe they'll do okay. And it's like filmed out of like Passaic or something. It's not even technically a New York station. It's a Jersey station. But it was doing well, and I could find very little about why it was canceled, except he's a busy guy, and the station doesn't want to put up with complaints anymore. Yeah, I think I think it was just I'm, he's making way more money in radio There's with a lot less headaches, and the show is harder to produce every week, and why bother? If you're this pissed about it, I'm just not going to make them every week. Right? He's got the easiest job in the world now. Show you don't. Have to, he doesn't even have to get dressed if he doesn't want to. 
but uh, yeah, I, I just never seen. And I looked on YouTube and just there's like the worst copies of the shows imaginable. I'm just like, isn't this guy like they have the biggest fan base ever? Is there really no DVD of this? No, apparently not. Apparently not. It's, it's like 70 episodes gone to the ether. Um, and then video games of, what is it, August 5th through the 11th. A bunch of NES stuff this week. Soul Blazer is out. Uh, you get one gold piece for one living soul in this game. And that is a hell of an exchange rate. Rampart. Oh, I hate Rampart. Uh, it's a rare strategy arcade game. You yeah. don't see many of them. Yeah, and, uh, but Magic Sword. Wait, is this the one I know? Uh, do you know the name of the Conan wannabe in this game? No. He's called The Brave One. Oh. That is the most lazy-ass video game writing I can think of. Brave uh, One. Brave One. Brave yeah. One. And the game I do know very well out this week, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. There are 80 games for the Super Nintendo system which could be considered a beat-em-up game. Wow. This game is widely considered to be the best beat-em-up on the Super Nintendo system. For arcades, it's, it's like the end of the evolution of the beat-em-up until Shredder's Revenge came out. It came, like, technically a sequel arrived two months ago to this game from 30 years ago. So I encourage everyone to play that because and the Cow the Cowabunga, Cowabunga collection where this will be. But uh, it is this a beautiful This is an amazing game. port. Yeah, it's, it's mean, got extra when, stuff. It's got stuff that's yeah. not in the arcade game. When, when you consider that in 92, arcades were still vastly more powerful home system. The fact that they transported the arcade game as close as they did and then went, well, let's just add some extra things is amazing. And, and, and by know, extra things, also... I mean entire levels and bosses. Yeah. Like it, it's not significant stuff. And they had to cur cut certain animations and I think a, a move or two, but like everything else is translated and it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's, you know, exactly what it says on the title. You First couple, three levels are just a standard turtle game in the modern day beating up stuff. And then Shredder's like, well, I'm just going to send you back to time. And this is the pre-internet era, so it's like, okay, now I'm fighting cavemen. What am I going to fight next? Oh, pirates. Oh, where am I doing next? And you just don't know because it keeps going to different time periods. And everything in this game can explode and kill you. That is one thing. There are uh, pterodactyls who are dropping rocks on you, and the rocks explode. You know, <laughs> pieces of granite from 80 million years ago just shrapnel. explode. Yeah. 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 Love this game. And uh, I also love the next game because I was I was bought very few games from my parents who are really only concerned with educational stuff. And I think this somehow, either with my help or some wonderful person at NPR, I was able to convince them might aid my education. Mario Paint, because I don't think we have a computer yet. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're the, so a game that comes with a mouse and allows you to like, I, I love cartoons. I can make my own cartoons. Uh, painstakingly you can do it is a very difficult program to use so this is the last video game i remember ever playing with my sister when we were growing up on the atari we'd have like the atari olympics where we'd play pitfall and pac-man and see who got the high score on eat and write them down but as we aged up she was playing less and less but i was still playing and this was the last time i could kind of get her to play a, a nintendo game it was like okay look we can do art programs because you know she would have been 16 at the time so little old mm, but yeah. but we still did it and it's like the only game my nice sister played memory. that i can remember she didn't play a ton of games with this was, this had stuff to do and yep. i love that you highlighted the, the, i don't think it was a good paint program well, it's a creative art program for You're people who suite. have never used a computer 
to make art before in their life. Mm -hmm. That's what it was designed to do. But the the music creator is wonderful. Like the simplification (laughs) of music into get notes are noted by hearts, planes, cats, dogs, and sometimes they would make the sounds of those things. So you could, and you could place them on a scale, even if you couldn't read music, but it was very easy to undo, try it again. You could make music in this game and people ever since have... You can make pretty much anything. Uh, the, yep. Look up song Mario Paint if it's popular. It's got a Mario Paint version. And it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I thought that, yeah. that aspect of it was incredible. I thought it was. It's, it, it's amazing how that aspect of the game has just overshadowed every other aspect of this game. Because you, you can still find people tinkering around with the music maker today. And people have made programs to overcome yes. the limitations. But, you know, it is kind of a very, very. Well, it's a 1992 console art program, so it's highly limited. But some people still tinker around with it, and good for them. But yeah, I I would say at the time, this was the most successful non-game that Nintendo had ever made. You know, they go on to make the Wii Fitness and and game non-games like that. But before this, you only had like Donkey Kong Math. Little stuff stuff in the arcades, but yeah, I I take your Mm. point. Yeah, Yeah, Mario Paint. I was a big fan. I love that opening. I screen. think they could. I think they could modernize this. They were trying, and they actually just morphed it into Mario Maker. But I think if you just wanted a cheap little program for your Switch, you could release Mario. It's, it's weird. Paint it's they really did give up on. They were trying to take like a slice of the the PC market, and all those old Nintendo systems had like odd apps allowing you to do stuff like that, especially in Japan, like first party Nintendo stuff. But you know, sort of gave up really around the iPhone. Anyway, moving. There's a comic book, special comic book to bring up. Amazing Spider-Man 365, 30th anniversary issue with a hologram cover by John Romita. Yeah, this is the height of the comic bubble when they were doing everything they could. And to have a hologram on your cover in 1992 blew little JR's mind. Uh, (laughs) I, I... totally bought all these gimmicks and i've still got them all in a big pile somewhere because they are worth nothing i worked in print (laughs) very briefly i'm gonna say yeah about 10 years ago to this day i saw the stats on holographic covers they still even when the the print is decaying and dying they still move like almost twice as many (laughs) twice as it's 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 crazy incredibly catchy you're in people still like that stuff supermarket and you just look and it's 3d wow maybe i'll look at it uh but in long-term influences this was the first appearance of spider-man 2099 oh shit all right uh soon to be in across the spider-verse i think yeah we'll Um, we'll talk about him more uh when he makes his grand appearance later this year and closing out 1992, let's talk a little bit about the music, um, such as some new releases like Hit to Death in the Future Head by the Flaming Lips. Weren't they just in last week's episode? You can't do that. Uh, Don't <laughs> Tread by Damn Yankees and uh, Lost Together by Blue Rodeo. And I, th- I just learned the other day, is Damn Yankees like a super band of like cock rock yes. horse shit I would never listen to? Hilarious. Yep. Hilarious. Uh, and I'm sure their music holds up. But we're going to close out with Madonna's Kinda. This Used I to mean... Be My Playground. It's cock rock. No. Yeah, it's, the dude. With an album there. title, but Don't Shred. Oh, good Lord. But th- this used to be my playground for Madonna is uh, at number one this week. It's from the League of Their Own soundtrack. And uh, we'll close out with that. Stay right there. This used to be my playground. This used to be my child.
Some Toby Keith, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Parenthetical, the Angry American off of Unleashed. Man, you thought we were done with 9-11, but 9-11 is not done with us. I just Heck no. I we're thought, less than a year. Everyone's lost their shit still. I just, yeah, I, I just forget how much personal trauma that rippled through myself during that period, let alone the rest of the country. But, like, responding to a year, a year-old event at this, in today's, and today, 20 years later, it just seems crazy. You expect us to still care about this? Is there no legislation involved? Anyway. Dude, we're, we're still in war in Afghanistan. They're right. still digging up the rubble. I mean, it's, it's pretty started. fresh. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and so we're going to be assholes about it. Oh, Lady Liberty's making a fist and she's going to come punch you because you attacked us. And here's my weird perception, though. Like, this... Was this the only period Toby Keith was an asshole and then he kind of chilled out? Because, like, you didn't hear about him through the entire Trump era. <laughs> and he's still making music, so... Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, just... he's one of those people that's like, I like some of his songs quite a bit, but you, you're an asshole, so, you know, I I guess. Like, Weed with Willie's still a classic. God damn it! I don't even know what that is. Did he do the Beer for My Horses song? Yeah, it's on here, too. Okay. <laughs> That's a great song. Welcome to 2002 with that 9-11 country anthem. Put a pep in your step on your way to work today. Uh, August 5th through the 11th, other new releases that came out 20 years ago include Evil Heat by Primal Scream, Attack of the Attacking Things by Jean Grey, Drunk Enough to Dance by Bowling for Soup, The Fix by Scarface, a self-titled by a girl group, No Secrets, Nothing by uh, Mashuga, and Thug, Thug Holiday by Trick Daddy. Hot and Her by Nelly is still number one. <laughs> and a little bit of sports news to bring you into 2002. Barry Bonds always confuses me when whatever decade you bring him up. Because <laughs> I had his, like, 1986 baseball card. He's like, Wiener, I'm Barry Bonds. And I don't. then I didn't watch sports for 20 years, and I saw him again. And he was the size of the Incredible Hulk and breaking records. And we wondered about <laughs> steroids. But... 20 years, 20 years ago this week, uh, San Francisco Giants outfielder Barry Bond hits his 600th career home run. 600. Yeah. It, it yeah. is fun being in San Francisco, and Giants fans are really rapid. They're like the only really rapid fans in the Bay Area are Giants fans. Well, Warriors it, now. Well, Warriors now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually Warriors. Mm-hmm. But it's so fun. There's like so many people that are a sports fan. You will defend absolutely everything. It was like, no, that's a lie. Barry Bonds never did drugs. What are you talking? And like, no one does that. They all kind of go like, yeah, it's a shame, huh? So how does that work? Do They obviously don't take back his wins. Like mm-hmm. the team doesn't have to forfeit anything, right? Well, they have to prove it. So, no. Okay. And that's a difficult thing to do. especially uh, Even though I think he admitted some stuff. But yeah, it's, um, mm, yeah. It yeah, seemed, there's no way to undo it, really. And it seemed at the time, everyone breaking home run records was also doing that. So you'd have to get confessions from all of them and then undo everything. Or just accept the fact that uh, steroids aren't deadly. There's no such thing as roid rage. That's CTE. And let the athletes 
make themselves mutants in whatever way they see fit. <laughs> like, let them do it. And then let's talk about movies. What the hell? Clint Eastwood. Yeah, um, look at this this array. Usually we have like an indie movie hiding in here we got to talk about. No, we got three big blockbustery looking things for three very different audiences. I appreciate what they're doing here. Yeah, Dylan uh, Dylan Walsh, Paul Rodriguez, Tina Lifford, Wanda DeJesus, <laughs> De Jesus maybe, Angelica Houston, Jeff Daniels, and Clint Eastwood in blood work. What do you have? On the trail of a killer. Victims five and six. FBI profiler Terry McCaleb's career ended in a heartbeat. But the past isn't about to let him go. I'm back. So is he. You don't have a badge. McCaleb! I'm in this thing for the full ride. Now, when I said earlier, Clint Eastwood <laughs> retired his Western character, he still plays Clint Eastwood in every single movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Every single yeah. movie. But he's not a cowboy anymore. Yeah, this Bronco. Buster. It couldn't quite be Dirty Harry, you know, as no. an old man. It's not there, but he's again playing off the old image. He starts off as a grizzled cop in the beginning, who's like famous, and that is Dirty Harry, like where it's like this cop is a known quantity. Reporters want to interview him. Then he has a heart attack, and is he a little changed person after that? You know. I, I don't know. The plot of this film kind of reminded me of that Bob Hoskins movie where he has a heart transplant and then he has oh, to like no. deal with that other person. And here it's Clint getting a heart transplant and then having to solve the murder of the person whose heart he has. Right. Uh, yeah. This, sa- this sounds like, like this sounds this like is... the fake screenplay at the center of a Barton Fink movie. <laughs> yep. this... Yeah, it already sounds like so contrived. But you remember what we said about the economy of characters? Yeah. Clint plays a detective. There's one person who plays the sister of the murdered lady. Everyone else is detectives, except for Jeff Daniels, who plays his neighbor. <laughs> uh, I had my fingers mm. crossed for Paul Rodriguez. Uh, mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Blood yeah, work, it's one of the worst ones. Like, oh, yeah, that's him. And I love the idea behind it is like so complicated and contrived that basically he found out Clint needs a heart transplant, found someone with his blood type, managed to kill them in a way that they would barely, they weren't going to survive, but they would be okay for transplant just to keep Clint alive so they could keep their count and mouse game going. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's so stupid. It's, it's so weird. Clint Eastwood 30 years ago retired his cowboy hero. But despite playing a cop in five famous movies as Dirty Harry, never retired that role and is constantly playing a cop for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Tons of movies. Yeah. Kind of keep keeps that going for a while. Yeah. This is so, so forgettable. <laughs> I don't know what interested him in, in doing this. Like, okay, whatever. Well, a uh, hard, yeah. hard pivot into uh, yeah. <laughs> counter-programming of the week. Steve Buscemi, Janie Trejo. It might be hard to get just reading off the cast. I wonder if our listeners can guess. Uh, Holland Taylor, Ricardo Montalban, Mike Judge, Daryl Sabara, uh, Alexa Vega, Carla, G- 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 Carla Gugino, and Antonio Banderas. It's Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. The transmuker device is here on this island. The journey alone is more dangerous than the transmuker itself. I made sure of it. For gadgets so amazing. What do you like fries with that? Ow! Creatures so astounding. Yeah. And a mission so big. 
I have some bad news. Carmen and Junior are missing in action. They'll have to bring the whole family. Ah! What is it? Your mother. Hi, kids, too. A movie about Ricardo Montalban in a flying chair. <laughs> Make that the whole movie. Just have him do his shopping, his average stuff. Just what a, you know. Yes. Picking up the groceries, From taking his car. Hell's heart, I shop at thee. So, <laughs> uh, uh, unlike Three Ninjas, this film goes to the goofy extreme. You oh, know, God, yes. It it is just willing to be like you didn't check your brain at the door. That's on you. Okay. <laughs> we are starting this movie with a roller coaster ride which juggles the ball that you are in. So expect craziness. The kids have all the gadgets in the world. They're doing all the adult stuff. And it's just like, yeah, of course we have a kid spy agency and we give them intensely dangerous jobs. Of course. Yeah, obviously. Wait, your... You didn't see the last movie. They proved themselves because they were in constant peril and they survived. So I guess we just keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. The child soldiers are the way to go. That's what we learned <laughs> from the last movie. A bizarre set of CG effects that is just so like blatantly inspired by Ray Harryhausen. I feel mm -hmm. like that'll be forgotten in modern cable airings. Does this mm -hmm. look bad on purpose? Like, no, it's trying to look old timey and stop motiony on purpose. I think that's cool, but like not very, like all the Spy Kids movies, They've never satisfied. They're not for me. I was 20 yeah. when the first one came out. Like, it's just. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the fun thing is, I mean, it was the same thing. It's like, I'm a grown up when these start coming out. Mm -hmm. and I don't have kids or nieces or nephews of the age to go see them. So I ignored them. So I'm watching them now as an old person and constantly just going, you, you did this for realsies? Like, <laughs> for kids. This was for kids. And it succeeded. And you got to do this again. Yeah. Because Robert Rodriguez can be very hit or miss. He has strange tastes and he puts his stuff. He's he his stuff feels very personal. If really it it feels like him. Yeah, the last by kids was freaking bizarre. And this uh keeps it going of just like, oh, I thought these were gonna be sort of serious movies, but they're about kids spies and they have, you know, wacky gadgets and this but like there's always this like incredibly strange psychedelic imagery in all of them that's like, I can see this actually scaring a lot of kids. But then the weird ones would be like, yeah. These are so much better than I expected, but boy, are they strange. Yeah. They are definitely not for every child. Yeah, there was. there's always something that seemed a little indulgent about them, but it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're, uh, they're casting, like, kids. If you weren't excited by Steve Buscemi, we got Ricardo Montalban and Mike Judge in here. It's going to be <laughs> you know, amazing. And, and Danny Trejo back as Uncle Machete, mm -hmm. who <laughs> makes a... Makes them a fancy spy watch that does like 84 things except for tell time. <laughs> and that becomes kind of a running gag. I didn't like it quite as much as the first one because they are trying to go bigger. Every one seems like it's trying to get bigger. And by bigger, it just means weirder. Yeah, but yeah. they're... <sighs> they're, they're... Well, it goes very weird. This has one yeah. of the weirdest lines I've ever heard in a children's movie. Oh, let's hear it. Why do they despise me so? I created them. you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created? That line is said in a children's <laughs> film, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by Steve Buscemi, who lives on a plant, uh, on an island full of monsters that he made, and now he can't go outside because this island's full of monsters. Yeah, but really, your, your children's film is asking if God fears us, his creation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it would explain a lot. I This one is like... 
there's so much childish humor that I know it's definitely for kids, but there is like 30% of this movie is for stoned college students. So, something like that. Cause like, it's, it's not trying to be Harry Potter and like make credible effect sequences. It's like, yeah, I'm making my movies with friends in Austin and the big Hollywood studios giving us money to do it. Who gives a shit? We're all yeah, having yeah. a great time out here. Don't overwork yourself mm-hmm. in a Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah. Uh, as long as it makes money, they're not going to care. So yeah, do what you like. And it did for a while. Uh, burned white hot for three years. Man, this fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Also with Danny Trejo. Look at that. This fucking movie. Danny Trejo. Actually number one of the box office this week. Danny Trejo. William Hope. Samuel L. Jackson. Martin Solkas, Asia Argento, and Vin Diesel. It's Triple X, baby. The new breed of secret agent. I want all of that in here. From the director of The Fast and the Furious. This summer. Dangerous, uncivilized. I love his attitude. Vin Diesel is... untouchable boom uh triple x ladies and gentlemen Uh, i i didn't realize that this is the same summer as born identity and i feel like everyone is coming for james bond now yeah i've been fucking out and guess what kids he come for the king (laughs) the king is going to reboot and do better than he's ever done before casino royals in a couple of years accurate um this starts out with what is clearly obviously james bond getting spotted as a spy which to be fair he's wearing a tuxedo and like this rave and it's like two (laughs) seconds to go that that guy doesn't belong here but that's kind of what it's saying it's like james bond is so old-fashioned he could never fit in what we really need is a guy who does extreme sports to the extreme a guy who Uh, can longboard down a hill really fast that this is this is this is poochie the spy oh my god yes Yes, that explains why I felt embarrassed watching it. Thank you. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's that's how desperate this movie is to become a thing. I believe this is like greenlit after the runaway success of the Fast and the Furious, right. and it has. But they didn't want to. They hadn't been on the Fast and Furious sequel train yet. Yeah. They didn't know that was going to be a thing. So it was very much a Vin Diesel's the real star. So we'll just yes. make him into another James. So Bond. It, it had a billboard and a logo before it had a script. And like <laughs> in uh, that debut, you can you could see it in L.A. a year before this movie is out because surely this is going to make Fast and the Furious money. It sort of sort of did. <laughs> It never went on to anything. There was a half attempt to continue the franchise. With Ice Cube. Uh, with Ice. And it, it, yeah. it was rebooted, yeah. and there's a fourth one rumored to be... It just They're not as fun as they well, should be. I don't know what it wait, is. Well, Vin Diesel is trying so hard to be the coolest dude who ever cooled a dude. Yeah. I mean, every aspect of him is like, uh, I'm the most awesome person who ever lived ever, and to the max. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. Can I just... Can I just watch a reel of X Games and not have to bother with with a plot? Uh, well, if I want to see extreme sports, I'll just watch extreme sports. It's trying to replace James Bond while copying everything about James Bond. Mm-hmm. There's a Q-like character in this film. There are Bond girl characters in this film. He has a Bond-like car to the max. And at one point, he has a flag parachute, only it's the U.S. flag, not the British flag. Boom! Oh, sorry. Every time I yeah. hear Union Jack, it's I have just, to boo. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's every 14-year-old boy's fantasy, and it's sad, <laughs> because 14-year-old boys are sad. So, so very, so very sad. Yeah, I felt embarrassed, and then yeah. that wasn't helped by the fact it's directed by Rob Cohen, who we talked about on Fast and the Furious, um, is right, hashtag me too piece of shit, and co-star Asia Argento has accused him of assaulting her, I believe, on the set of this film, mm. by giving her drugs and then attacking her while she was passed out. So, fuck that guy, and fuck fuck everything he's associated with. Yeah, and fuck this series. We don't need this. We don't need this. Mm. We already have one James Bond ripoff. It's called Mission Impossible, and it's great. And they do all kinds of extreme shit in there without being extreme to the do. We we haven't mentioned that this is basically Samuel L. Jackson doing a proto-Nick Fury. Yeah, well, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I mean, there is nothing in this movie that I couldn't see Nick Fury doing. True. True. He said, "Oh my God, I forgot Tony Hawk was in this movie." <laughs> I, I I never liked this. Will not recognize him in this film. And uh, I well, I just <laughs> I, I thought I always assumed like this will be a fun watch twenty years from now. It wasn't. No, not enough to keep no, not enough to keep interested. Yeah, it's even more dated and yeah. silly, but not like in a fun way. No, the villains like, have uh... no personality. That's a biggie in any action film like this. You've got to have good villains, and it does. Did you ever see Never Too Young to Die? The uh, John Stamos, James Bond. Yes, yes that, I did see that. That movie's the, fantastic. French teacher. That movie's fantastic. And again, Gene Simmons is the villain. That does help in full drag. But it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, this I don't know, this lacks of... Well, it's, it, 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 it's too unreal at times. There's a scene when Vin Diesel shoots a gun one-handed while supermaning a motorcycle. So he's holding his hands onto the... Mm-hmm. Well, front thing and shooting a gun while his legs are in the air and that's doesn't seem possible sounds like a combo and <laughs> my favorite atv game i don't know i'm not here to shit on this movie or defend it i just wish it was more fun this many years later and didn't care for the reboot either yeah yeah, triple X. yeah that's a good point that you think at least you know a, a big dumb movie 20 years later should at least be entertainingly big and dumb yeah but uh, even that no it wasn't the, the soundtrack, though, was like, it's only going to be August 2002. There is no other time for this soundtrack. It will immediately date everything. What's on the soundtrack? It's just, it's 2002 extremeness. Yes. Triple X. Don't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 2002 television, uh, August 5th to the 11th. A haunting debuts. Yeah, haunting this debuts. is where they reenact alleged haunting incidents with commentary from the people who are alleged to have had demonic activity poltergeist attacks possessions cryptic visions and then you've got the paranormal investigators priest shamans psychic mediums who give insight into those stories that sounds incredibly cheap and easy to make yep Oh yeah, it's like uh, the 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 things Robert Stack would talk over on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a is very it's taking a five minute unsolved mystery into a hour long TV show. <sighs> I wish I were the camera guy. It's probably a union camera guy whose job is to do B roll slow pans across the living room. Mm. <laughs> that's it. That's his whole day. Slow pan across the living this. room so we can put in voiceover of someone saying, I felt like something was rearranging my pillows. This is what a living room looks like. <laughs> this the, pan the, is slow because it's spooky. That debuts, and I think uh, the real tragedy, pop-up video ends this week. Which no! I, I think I think extended the interest in music videos longer than there would have been otherwise by making... Yeah, this... 
this revitalized for me personally when I first was flipping around and I came up, oh, music, what? what's that? Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'm learning cool little facts and it's uh, giving me nice hits of dopamine about info. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a free YouTube on television show. Yeah. Like I could see this being a hugely successful YouTube series, but it here it is. Should be. If VH1 yeah, is smart, it should be. I, I just loved it. I, I don't feel like uh, when VH1 started, their identity was where the classic rock place. You're going to see old music videos for standards and classics. And that went away pretty quickly because you, but this is a really good way to shelve that. Like here are some of the biggest hits of all time, the biggest music videos of all time with stuff you didn't know about them. Right. Genius. Although th they are obviously operating on a limited internet world mm -hmm. because I watched the Meredith Brooks pop-up video for this for uh, recording. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it got the pop-up fact that she was born 19 question mark question mark. So oh, <laughs> uh, in 2002, they were not able to find when she was actually born. Oh, goodness. Uh, wow. But I, th I think that would they would eventually reboot the series. But I think more than that, on their other channels, they just replay the series. And it, you can't really tell what decade pop-up video is from because the videos are all old. It, yeah. it'll, it'll kind of always work. Also this I week... I love this show. Me too. Uh, the Zeta Project ends, a show I didn't even know existed, a spinoff to Batman Beyond. Yep, this is the yeah. last chronological bit of the DC animated universe. So it's set in the future after Batman Beyond. Beyond. So it's the last in that timeline. Basically, the plot is a robot is told to kill, the robot refuses to kill, and then he goes on the run. It was very much inspired by The Fugitive. It was supposed to be very Blade Runner-esque. That's what got approved. And then new management came on and they said, make this less dark because mm -hmm. our audience is getting too old. Like the DC animated universe shows kept getting a more and more mature audience. And listeners, we will talk about the introduction of the DCU this year. I promise oh, you. We'll yes. go into in depth when that I comes think responsible for of... more spinoffs than all in the family yeah wow. uh, but <laughs> change of guard wanted new things to target the young audience and the pitch of what if a gun woke up one day and didn't want to kill anyone was not a good pitch for their target audience of six to 11 year olds not after how iron giant performed uh -uh. so it kind of just got neutered from what it could have been and no one ever really fell in love with it i, I mean i'm sure there's fans out there but it I didn't mean, it, it, it was didn't. on a station we didn't have so i was not gonna be able yeah. to see it even though i was 22 uh and then lastly for your love ends this week yeah so basically a bachelor a newlywed and a guy who's been married five years are interacting with each other and it's how they handle things differently Oh, the only thing. Okay, well, still stars Holly Robinson, Pete, who I like until I found out recently. I think she's anti-vax. But the theme song is a cover version of the Yardbird song by Shaka Khan and Michael McDonald. What? I know what I'm listening to tonight. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Well, uh, that's all I care about now. I don't care about this sitcom. It went on oh, like since, five seasons. Since we don't have any games, I'm gonna have to demand the listeners think about Gavin Rossdale's solo work on the Triple X soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Titled Adrenaline, which is what will be taking us out. But people, don't go away. We have one more segment left to talk about. And uh, there's a Bourne movie.
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 5th through 11th, I get to recommend a 90-year-old comedy. How well does comedy hold up after 90 years? Well, I guess it's up to you because this week we are talking about Horse Feathers from 1932 starring the four. Yeah, there's still at four Marx Brothers. Zeppo's still there. Uh, plus Thelma Todd. It is a college comedy about football. And when I say football, I mean like the, the leather helmet football. Like you watch this and you think, well, they're all going to fucking die. How was this football? How was there not way more CTE? I assume everyone used to die. So anyway, it's, uh, yeah, about uh, Professor Wagstaff becomes the president of this college, played by Groucho. Then uh, they try to rig a football game or try to stop the other guys from rigging a football game. It is just goofy and silly and ridiculous. And yeah, it's adorable. Got a couple numbers, including Everyone Says I Love You, which, yeah, that's a song you probably have heard. I hope. Uh, yeah, I'm Against It is wonderful. And everyone gets a moment. That's how Marx Brothers movies work. Like, there's kind of a plot, sort of, when they feel like it. And mostly it's just an excuse for bits. And the bits are an awful lot of fun. So yeah, Horse Feathers, 1932, one of Marx Brothers' better movies total recommend and that's it for this week stay classic Coming into 2012, Fungtide by Group Love. It is on the charts this week. This week being August 5th to the 11th. Welcome to 302010's final segment. We're in 2012. Hi. Ten years ago. You made it. Ten years ago. The last good year, I call it. No, I, uh, <laughs> all other new releases this week uh, include This is the Six by uh, While She Sleeps and Sod in the Seed by Why, as well as Blood uh, by In This Moment. Okay, sure. Carly Rae Jepsen is still number one. And if you needed to know what that sounded like... We have a little example. Thank you, JR. I tried to see if I could find every song for this episode in yeah. Mario Paint, and I couldn't quite do it, but I really wanted to. So all of them would have been Mario Paint, but They're I They're so hot in here. No, sadly not. I was shocked too. I thought there would have been. Mm. Well, that's number one this week. (laughs) 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 That's number one this week, uh, as is one Jamaican sprint superstar, Usain Bolt, who wins the 100 meters uh, at the London Olympics in 9.63 seconds, besting the record he set in the 2008 Olympics. I'll tell you, the 2012 Olympics with Bolt and Michael Phillips, it was just like superstars coming out of those in a way that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Is, 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 true? is Bolt the most famous Jamaican since Bob Marley? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Possibly. Yeah. Other than, I can't other think than of... Shaggy, who may not yeah, be Jamaican. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of other musicians, mostly. Um, and none of them are no. as big as Bob Marley, so... Yeah, it's just, I, I do love uh, nominative determinism. It's like, your last name is Bolt. Yeah. 
<laughs> there's only a couple things you should be good at. That rarely works out, but uh, good on his parents. Because uh, I, I, I think he could have come in like 10th and had the name Bolt and still got endorsement deals. But <laughs> man, this is, uh, I'd say life-changing, but his life just constantly kept changing. He kept breaking these records, didn't he? Doing well uh, in the sport of running, which I know very little of. I'll stop pretending and talk about it like I have anything meaningful to say. Movies of 2012, August 5th to the 11th. We have a movie I've never heard of. Joanne Whaley, Ben Chaplin, uh, Al Fanning, Bruce Dern, Val Kilmer, and Twixt. Twixt. Twixt is Francis Ford Coppola's most recent directorial effort. Yeah. Uh, he, ha- and- he, he wanted to tell the story of a bargain bin, Stephen King, stopping at a small town. <laughs> And uh, the sheriff of that small town wants to be a writer, too. So Coppola got the idea for this film from a dream. And I hate hearing about dreams. <laughs> I, I, I think it's just the most boringest, stupidest thing. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the way your brain processes information. Yeah. Well, oh. you never have anything to say. I could explain my dream and you couldn't be like, oh, well, when that pterodactyl stole your toast, uh, I love that part too. I wasn't experienced. I have no frame of reference for your dreams. There's nothing I can add to your telling. This is how we used to watch movies, Jr. I'm okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting <laughs> off topic. But you want to um... get off topic? I have a big giant note that I forgot about in the first segment. Okay. Three oh. Ninjas premiered with the first and I think only bonkers theatrical short because that oh. is how that is how fraught the relationship was with Steven Spielberg and uh, Disney that they both couldn't get their heads together to finish the short I believe called Hair in My Soup look it up pre-production was happening on it there's some cells out there they literally created the character Bonkers to be a Roger Rabbit surrogate including creating cartoon shorts for him to be in so his past is explained when his show premieres next year I'm not kidding yes so he, the, the first Here's Bonkers short that would eventually run in raw tunage appears like two years before any of the other ones would appear on television wow. I it's on okay. Vimeo I found I'd never seen it before because I didn't see it I don't remember seeing it in theaters I would have remembered that uh but bonkers Man. baby for you bonkers fans <laughs> twix could have used a, a cartoon before it that would have been pretty fun <laughs> yeah this one uh, critics are pretty split on this where it's like some thought like because part of it is like he's investigating a thing but also like he's in a dream world like the upside down kind of thing and like some people like that and some people are like yeah this is like being told someone's dreams this fucking sucks i just i appreciate that uh val kilmer and his ex-wife are together in a movie and they're apparently cool about it Oh, yeah, you see that Jordan doc? They're, they're like good friends. That's so nice. They hang out and shit. I, I appreciate that. Great documentary. So, yeah, I've been trying... I have been trying to watch every Francis Ford Coppola movie, and he did start out in horror. So, mm. yeah, to see, like, he's basically making a sort of vampire movie here. Kind of curious to see that. I feel like he's and... going for unsettling instead of scary or gory in this alleged yeah. horror film. That's, yeah, and, and that's kind of how he was in, like, Dementia 13 as a, you know practically a kid working for like corman it's like yeah unsettling creepy mm. it's actually an okay movie so yeah twix just it is an extreme your mileage may vary gotta tell you for the next title be careful googling it yeah i meant to say that <laughs> again i meant to say that in the other film if you just google the vin diesel movie title that we talked about in the previous segment <laughs> and don't put movie in there Apparently, uh, Google waits all of porn more than it does that Vin Diesel movie franchise. It assumes you want that first. What a shock. I mean, but I wouldn't go to Google to look up XXX. It's like going to Lycos to look up Rated R. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. So this is called Bachelorette. And what a horrible name to pick for 2012. Yeah. I mean, Mm. uh, you had to know that 
everyone was going to be thinking of the TV show in 2012, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah. And if it came out four years later, it'd be called Bad Bachelorette. It'd be perfectly yes. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, and yeah, and we're post-Bridesmaids, so now I've got them confused. <laughs> yeah, this this film desperately wants to be The Hangover, but The Hangover was funny. Uh-oh. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I appreciate that. Yeah, it's about bachelorettes getting out of control and bad things happen and then they have to try to replace the dress or fix it or whatever and everyone's done too many drugs and they're really drunk and they're running around and it, i liked a lot of it and the cast is great i mean rebel wilson lizzie kaplan isla fisher uh, kirsten dunst james marsden adam scott's in there too it's like yeah awesome cast uh written and directed by the co-creator russian doll right but then it got like schmaltzy on me and i was like dude just commit to the bad right. behavior no learning lessons yeah, they start off all in a horrible position. They are all angry that their friend is getting <laughs> married before them. And that's yeah. where they're starting from. So ah, they all yeah. suck. And I think they do yeah. about $100,000 worth of cocaine in this film because I am not, <laughs> I'm not a drug guy. But even I know that cocaine is expensive and they got like almost like a folder crystals can of cocaine <laughs> in this place. That's Scarface territory. Yeah, they they do a lot of drugs. It's, it's another one that's like, I feel like your mileage may vary. I feel like some people, it might just hit better because there were parts that I really liked. And I was like, I want this to keep going this way. And then it doesn't. I'm like, oh, but it was fun overall, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's kind of how I'm feeling about with the next movie, too. Oh, yeah. It's like, I got a whole bunch of laughs out of it, but... But most, yes. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, mostly because of how expensive it was. Of course <laughs> it failed. You spend 90-something million dollars on yeah, a comedy. What, what is this doing? justified? Maybe the cast, Brian Cox, Dan Aykroyd, John Lithgow, Sarah Baker, Dylan McDermott, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Zach Galifianakis, and Will Ferrell in the campaign. I'm here to announce my candidacy. Does this mean we got a campaign? Marty has two pugs, which are Chinese. Get some American dogs, you commies! Schools is this nation's backbone. A super sassy salesman sold me Sicilian sausages. More manly. Gosh, I am so flustered. Are you taking money from tobacco companies? No. No, no. What do you got there? Is that a crossbow? Ah! The campaign. Oh my God, it hurts so much. Starts August 10th. Will and Zach playing politicians against each other should be good. Yeah. This should be a good movie. Will punches a baby in this film and the film still <laughs> cannot deliver i mean something's pleasantly surprised me about this one that it's directed by jay roach who we talked about the austin, austin powers, powers films but also did a bunch of like docudramas for hbo about like election stuff like the 2000 recount and i was expecting this to get like really preachy and political and obvious and annoying and it just doesn't it. like basically their point is yeah, politicians are all bought well mm. yeah i mean we knew that so you don't have to hammer that nail too hard. Um, yeah, John Lithgow and Dan Aykroyd as basically the Koch brothers. I mean, Duke brothers. I mean, Koch brothers. I love seeing Dan Aykroyd on the other side of the trading places now, baby. But <laughs> it's like, okay, they don't get preachy or as preachy as I was expecting. I appreciate that. Jason Sudeikis, basically playing Ted Lasso. I appreciate that. Will Ferrell. Basically, and uh, slightly smarter Ricky Bobby. Yeah, it looks like w meets Ricky Bobby. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's about uh, a do-nothing congressman who's been bought, but not bought enough, I guess. Well, he keeps fucking up because he's so fucking stupid. So uh, the not Koch brothers try to get, you know, a fail son of a local rich guy to run against him. And then the, the dirty politics get real dirty. I, just, I appreciate it. it's an R-rated comedy. Right. And and it's all in language. Like, they don't really show it's not like they're showing someone's balls or anything. Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, when you watch it, it'd be like, why is this rated R now? Like, I see no such ratings on my streaming content. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, language, baby punching. Um, Punch I like a baby that. on YouTube. <laughs> one of, yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil, but you know, one one of them pulls a trick so dirty that the other one just vows, I'm going to fuck your wife and film it and put it out in an ad. And he does. <laughs> Like, this political ad is rated TVMA for sexual content. And it's just him railing his opponent's wife. I, I saw this 10 years ago and I thought I was poised to love it more than anything. And I did not. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Not. It's like, it's a really, really light recommend for me just because there were enough jokes that I actually laughed out loud at. Um, yeah. The baby punching, it's done so slowly and it's like, oh God, it's so inevitable. This is fist is slow mowing towards that baby. And you're like, oh. Uh, then he punches Uggy, the beloved dog from the artist. No. <laughs> okay. All right, you got me laughing again, just re- revisiting it. So maybe I'm nuts. Yeah, it was it was better than I expected. It wasn't great. It. Uh, yeah, there should have been more. Should have been more, considering how fucking great everyone in it is. Even Dylan McDermott. I got a lot of laughs out of him. Yeah, yeah I thought the, he was great you know, in this movie. The sleazy, the sleazy campaign manager. Mm-hmm. He's pretty fun. Now, uh, now I have a new gag to do to lie to people. I'll tell them, I swear on my mother's grave, and then fuck with them, and then run away yelling, "My mother's still alive!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So the campaign is okay. Light, light recommend. Well, the campaign is a solid, a solid effort. Well, what I don't understand is it costs like ninety million dollars. Oh, that, look, that girl I mean, money. That... There's no effects. Yeah. What are you doing? And so it, it ended up failing at the box office. And it's like, your problem is this should have cost 40 yeah, At most. Yes, yeah. Zach yeah. and Will walked away with enormous paydays for this. I'm sure there's, there's that's Nothing else justifies the budget. I, I don't understand. I really, really don't. Anyway, also things I don't understand. At least that was a, a, a valiant swing at making a, a thing yeah. where this is just a valiant swing at making a release date. Zaliko Averic, Stacy Keach, Oscar Isaac... Forgot he was in this. Ed Norton, Rachel Wise, and of course, franchise savior Jeremy Renner. It's number one at the box office. It's the Bourne Legacy. Jason Bourne is in Manhattan. That's all I have. Burn the program to the ground. You think Jason Bourne was the whole story? There's a lot more going on here. Who the hell is he? It's Aaron Cross. You trying to put me down? I thought they were dead. Yeah, he's supposed to be dead. We have never seen evaluations like this. You should have left me alone. The Born Legacy. Why would you? This is deceptive. It's deceptive in multiple ways. Yeah. Because it's not just a spin-off movie, which would be fine. Sure. I could live with a spin-off movie because the whole Born franchise are about the secret programs that make the super assassins. So obviously there's more super assassins. This movie takes place concurrently with the Bourne Ultimatum and yes. expects you to know the Bourne Ultimatum backwards and fucking forwards. And if you don't, the whole first half an hour, I was lost because I haven't watched the Bourne Ultimatum Okay, yet. yeah, I was wondering what was going... I tried to give this a solid watch as well, even though time and time again, 
the Bourne movies just don't do anything for me. Don't hate them. Mm. They just not move very far. Uh, it doesn't move the needle for me much. And yeah, I found it very hard to pay attention to. Like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. This this one, Jeremy Renner is is playing a superhero. I never mm. felt like there was a single moment in this film where he couldn't take someone on. Uh, there's no tension because of how awesome he is. You know, he's mm. just never it doesn't have a feeling of danger that you need in your action movie yeah he's just he's yeah. uh souped up john mcclain <laughs> yeah. can't... Well, uh, john yeah. mcclain no no he's the anti-john mcclain john mcclain i meant i meant the one that the last two so... movies who's invincible okay sure wow. okay yeah, yeah but yeah the classic john mcclain is the guy who is utterly in danger that whole film mm -hmm. by the end of it he's just being held together by duct tape barely stumbling <laughs> bloody mess you don't get that with this film. It's just like, oh, yeah, the awesome guy did his awesome stuff, and now he's even more awesome. And it's mm -hmm. an, another franchise yeah. Jeremy Renner was handed the reins to and kind of dropped the ball on. Hmm. Uh, well, it's not. It's really not his fault. It's so they, They're going into the, the background of is like you know these secret programs which there are many of them and they're complicated and confusing and it turns out like this is actually all about super drugs that might be in one of the other born movies that i i haven't seen i only saw the first two i still haven't seen i'm gonna watch them as we hit them just like they spend all this time on the super drugs and who made the super drugs and he's out of drugs and he needs more super drugs and it's just yeah that's like the whole point is so he needs to go get more super drugs and also not get murdered and God, it just takes forever for me to be able to like catch up with what is this movie doing? Because it, like I said, there's there's scenes from Born Ultimatum in this yes. to let you know when things are happening. They're all happening at the same time, and that just confused me. Like, wait, why did that guy get shot at a train station? Oh, it was in the other movie. They're not giving giving you the time to catch up. You better know that, or fuck you, you're lost. And then, now we're on a drug chase. I guess whatever. I you know it's got some good action. Um, there's a, a nice whole long chase sequence in Manila. I thought it used Manila really, really well. But yeah, I guess like especially especially if you're like a big Bourne fan and you just you, you need your fix, sure. But so much of the time, it, yeah, it was most of the way, like, at least halfway through the movie before I was like, oh, okay, now I understand who these people are and what they want. <laughs> That's way too fucking long for an action movie. And yeah, I, it's it's a dialogue. Yeah, it's confusing. And I wanted to see it most of all because, like, only recently did like I start hearing Matt Damon get anything. But he, he's always been a nice guy, and he started getting real candid lately. Or maybe it's just because he's finally hitting podcast rounds. <laughs> and I kept rereading the quote over and over again. I think he called this movie embarrassing, and that's that's yeah. why I wanted to see it. And I he he claimed he had a problem on Ultimatum because that was like the first movie he ever signed on to that had a release date before a script. And like, what the fuck are we doing? Like when, what, what's going on? And he didn't like that process and wasn't going to do it again. And the, the process was more important than Matt Damon. And it decided to go on without him. And mm -hmm. I probably, I, I didn't actually look up how much this made compared to the other Bourne movies, but I'm sure it's it did less. Okay. Sure. I mean, yeah, it, it did. Okay. Cause just i don't understand why they had to tie it in so much with the other Bourne movies like they won't stop talking about jason Bourne in this and it's kind of embarrassing because he's not in this movie but you have the super spy killer assassin program just just make a movie about some other guy somewhere else that's just the same thing but he's a different guy and right. it, don't tie it in so much don't make it part of the series just make it part of the franchise 
It was so frustrating. Like, why are you doing this? I don't envy him because I don't know what they should call it other than born. But it just yeah, it's so strange. Like, I I, I don't envy the Bond movies because they never have the word Bond in them technically, but somehow have a good do a good job of letting the whole world know what a Bond movie yeah. is. Well, basically, they made a spinoff series about this whole you know spy assassin program on TV called Treadstone, which is the name of the program so you could just call your movie treadstone mm. i mean born people will probably know what that means and you make sure you tell them in the ads in case no. everyone else hasn't caught up but yeah wh- why tie them in so tightly it, it it just is distracting and confusing instead of you could have just made a lean and mean uh guy on the run movie and it would have been fine how it's frustrating you, how do you get matt damon to run again oh <laughs> oh i don't i wish these movies worked better for me because i can see they're well made and i don't hate them i just don't i i I, something and they don't pull me in as much as spy kids did uh anyway let's move on to television (laughs) august 5th to the 11th dreamworks dragons debuts in cartoon network which i've actually seen i guess it's not it's not the first dreamworks show well i was i I thought they were airing they had a deal exclusive deal with nickelodeon but i i saw this because it was on cartoon network and i didn't have nickelodeon it's one of the only dreamworks shows Based on an original movie that has most of the original cast in it, at least like the lead is the show, making it semi for kids, I'm guessing indistinguishable from the film. And I like How to Train Your Dragon. That might be my favorite DreamWorks film up there with Yeah, them. yeah. I think the Dragon series is by far DreamWorks' best work. Yeah. I, I know Shrek is more popular, but if we're talking about films as good films, one, two, and three are all telling a solid story which interact with each other in great ways and advances each chapter. And this one is a very nice filler for the middle in between those series. They cover the material well. The characters all act how they act in the movies. Original voice actors. It's animated good for television. It's it's a good, solid yeah. series. Made me stop and watch for a second. Like, oh, this doesn't look embarrassing. It sounds correct. Man, kids are lucky these days. <laughs> Normally, we'd have yeah. to wait like two decades for a follow-up to a Dragon Shit. And here you get a TV show. Bastards. Uh, also this week, because Matthew Perry will never die, he gets another show. Go on. Debuts on NBC. This is a TV show where Matthew Perry plays someone who uh, lost his wife to death. And he goes to a support. <laughs> I, I just want to make that clear because he goes to a support group and it's got a kind of Dear John vibe to it because it's hmm. all about Matthew Perry and his support group and how they all interact with each other. It's it's going for that dramedy aspect to it because he is playing a guy going through some rough stuff but it's also about making jokes every five seconds as well there was a scene when they were trying to come up with the name for their support group and he said march sadness which (laughs) i thought was pretty solid But yeah, yeah, it was a decent series. It never really exploded. Courtney Cox did make an appearance on the show once, you know, to try to get that Friends vibe going on. The most interesting thing I learned about the making of is that so much of it takes place in group therapy, that the actors had to be super careful in choosing which pose they had in their chairs because they would be holding that pose for all day while they're filming So it had to be like, no, don't get bad posture. No, don't sit on your foot. Yeah, you will break your your bones by the end of this uh, filming if you hold that position. Wow. And uh, last but leastly, Boogeyman. Boogeyman debuts on Sci-Fi Channel. 
movie. Yeah, a cheesy sci-fi channel movie. Who would have guessed? Oh, it's a movie. Okay. Boogeyman. Didn't see it. You know what else I didn't see or play? It's moving our only game of uh, 2012. Sound Shapes on PSN. Uh, a pleasant little first-party indie. Do you play it, JR? Yeah. I did not play it, but it looks beautiful. It's a simple game. You're basically exploring music. When you make contact with something, it makes a note, and then you <laughs> discover something else, and then more of the song that is the level is formed. So it seems like an interesting concept. I just didn't play it. Me <laughs> neither, because I was too busy running Laser Times. Patreon.com slash Laser Times. Show's almost up. We're, stay tuned, because we're going to tell you who died and who and have a quiz and who lived during here. And you can play along. Hopefully I won't lose so embarrassing to Diana this time. But listen to Laser Time. Got a new ep this week. New Sick of Star Wars should be out this week, coming soon. Uh, and plenty of uh, 80s in-depth episodes I've been recording to JR, uh, Jared, and Steve, uh, where we taking a look at the summer of 82 and broke down those movies individually in ways that we find fun and interesting. I love what we've been talking about so far and we still have one or two left to go. Oh yeah. I think yeah. one of the, one of the best movies about teenagers ever made period. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I will call it the most honest movie about teenagers mm. ever made. Yep. Yeah, I prefer the warriors. Those guys were all wow. in the 20s. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen to those shows. Patreon.com slash laser time. Get yourself a bunch of bonus shows. That's what I was technically plugging. Diana, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at listeninerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. Coming up next week. Oh my God. We have possibly Eddie Murphy's lowest moment. Oh no. Ooh, you're right. He's yeah. going to space, guys. Oh, it's boy. not going to work out in space. But don't worry, because we have the best gross out comedy of all time from a little country that no one liked called new zealand oh yes and i know what's your turn also when people talk about the best tv shows of all time they're usually heavily a lot of dramas you got your sopranos you got your breaking bads things where people die mm -hmm. we are going to have one of the best goddamn comedies of all time okay okay no flipping Oh hell yeah! Oh, no flipping. Yes, 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 yes. I am so pumped. I what I I started watching The Wire. I want to drop it and watch all of this. I'm sorry. And new episodes of my favorite show in like a year. Yeah. Wow. Jay is holding up a complete series. I don't have that shit. I need to get that. Hell yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We talked about Unforgiven a lot this week. <laughs> We're gonna have to uh, try I'll, to restrain I'll, ourselves. I'll talking have about more to one. say about that. TV show than I did at Unforgiven, 100%. It's so good, and it's so ahead of its time. I can't believe it's 92. It really feels much more modern. Yeah, it, it set the tone for 2000s-era television, 100%. Yeah. And I will yeah. tease crap that only I will like, but have watched this year already and may rewatch for the show. Mm -hmm. If you loved Mom and Dad Save the World, a movie I constantly get it confused with is, out th is coming out next week, starring one of the same people. And I love it, and it's HBO trash all the way. Oh, and is it a movie about television? Indeed, it is. Oh, it is. is it the best film its actor ever did? Oh, John Ritter? Yes. I've never <laughs> seen yes, Real Men. And Problem Child. Oh, no, come now. <laughs> Sling Blade. He's in Sling Blade. Oh, he's in Sling Blade. You're he's right. in Sling Blade. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. See, I'm going to win this fucking uh, this contest. <laughs> I'm ready because Diana, uh, uh, well, JR has to plug something because he actually says something to plug. Da 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 da! 
I am back on the social media after a two-month hiatus, and you can now talk to me on the Twitter at J-R-R-A-L-L-S. I will say taking a two-month social media sabbatical was very good. I actually encourage everyone to give it a chance to see how they feel without the constant pay attention to me, pay attention to me (laughs) all the time. Yeah, I do it every other day. I love it. I do. I really do. I go days without looking at social media. Uh, not addicted to it anymore. It's just more of a burden. Like, there's got to be a better way to get the news than television or going directly to a URL. Let's figure out who died this week. Who died, Dime? Oh, well, we only lost one guy, but he's an EGOT winner. God damn it. In EGOT. 2012, we lost composer-conductor Marvin Hamlish. He was 68. Because I forgot, he was like a child prodigy. He did songs like the way we were and um nobody does it better he did the score for the sting i think he plays it too he was a he's a pianist he wrote the music for a chorus line so yeah he never had to work again wow he was uh yeah he was he was a pretty heavy hitter in music like he he got winner he won the pulitzer too (laughs) he won the pulitzer too he's got a pigot a pigot yep wow yeah oh he's that's a name you see a lot in musical theater marvin hamlish Marvin yep. Hamlish. I yep. could listen to the score from The Sting all goddamn day. Indeed. Uh, oh, it's got Joplin. Yeah. And uh, with that out of the way, you intro. It's here. time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly do, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong do. Quiz me, baby. All right. Born August sixth, nineteen seventeen. This person is no longer with us. Having died, seventeen. So during World War One. Yeah, during World War One. Wow. Oh, not the the plague of nineteen seventeen that the president, the former president, always brought up. Died July first, nineteen ninety seven. So good run. Born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, to a Scot Irish family. Oh, Scot of Bridgeport. Okay. I see. Mm. He served two months in jail for smoking pot in nineteen forty nine. Oh. Um, uh, Steel have, Jack, go ahead. Have a possibility. All right. Robert Mitchum. It is Robert what? Mitchum. Yay! He's like the first pot bus that people paid attention to. Yay! Yeah. Uh, so, no fair, some interesting Diana. facts that I was also going to mention. Steel Jack, the reformed supervillain from the Astro City comic series, is based on him, and he has what is widely regarded as the worst proposal in. Hollywood history. Hmm. His exact lines to his wife to ask her to marry him is, this is it. I'll be back. Stick with me, kid, and you'll be farting through silk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Movies of his that we've talked about on 302010. Cape Fear. 1988 Scrooged. Oh, yeah. yeah. 1988's War and Remembrance, the TV show. Oh, right. 1991's Cape Fear. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And then I was going to bring up 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, Out of the Past, River No Return, mm-hmm. Night of the yes. Hunter, Underpar yes. Road, and then finally... The Mockingbird Murders. The original Cape Fear of 1962. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love the story of how they made L.A. Confidential. There is a picture of Robert Mitchum coming out of jail after his pot bust, and that was basically the pitch for L.A. Confidential. We want to make a movie whose tone is this. <laughs> it's a guy, a fucking movie star coming out of jail who looks pretty smug about it. And it's like, yeah, I see yeah. it. Dude, out of the past, Night of the Hunter. 
Prince of Eddie Coyle too, but Night of the pa Out of the Past and Night of the Hunter are fantastic movies, and we do not have any actors like Robert Mitchum at all. No, he has such a unique face. It's yeah. it's one of those faces where you do not for forget him. And things in the future that we will talk about, he narrated 1993's Tombstone. Ooh. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on imdb because yeah. oh. he did yeah i was thinking about other 90s westerns because we were talking about unforgiven and how how they go and which ones do i recommend and yeah tombstone is such a fucking throwback i'm yeah. just like this is such an old-fashioned kind of western only unforgiven <laughs> it is me. weird i i love it well uh also quick in the dead if you want a yeah. good gene hackman double feature <laughs> It's so Thank you guys for listening. Let's close out with Friday Men Love by The Cure because it's on the charts this week, even though the album came I, out last year. Yeah, I mm. always forget this is from 1992, even though I lived through 1992 because it sounds like such a throwback. Mm. It sounds like it's from 84, maybe. Yeah. It's so new romantics. It's like the perfect song. It's so great. Friday I'm in love, baby. Love it. Thank you so much. Take us out, The Cure. We'll see you next week. I don't